0: This show is brought to you
1: by Safety FM. Welcome to the award-winning Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. And now your host, health and safety specialist, mentor and speaker, Colin Nottage. Hi there, Colin Nottage here and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Today I'm joined by Simon Kassin. Simon is uh, a director at Out Training Team Limited based down on the South Coast. He's been a member of IOSH for many years. He used to be in the fire brigade as well and um, talks uh, talks a bit about this. Um, But really what we start to talk about is we talk a lot about ethics and morality within, uh, within the health and safety sector. I'd like to introduce you to Simon. Good morning, Simon. Thank, thank you so much for uh, for joining us this morning. Um, could you could you just give us a little bit of background about uh, about who you are, what you do? Be, be okay. Useful? Yeah. Uh,
0: my name's Simon. Um, I, I work for a company or started a company called Ouch about twenty years ago or something like that. And um, basically, a, a, a potted um, history is that I um, I was in the army for a bit but I only really went in the army because I wanted to get in the fire brigade and and my careers person said that that was a good way to do that so I spent a bit of time in the army which was great I loved it brilliant but I I couldn't wait really till I got into the fire brigade that was the bit I really wanted to do and I was very lucky I managed to get into Greater Manchester Fire and Rescue Service and um, and, uh, you know and they actually pay you for hanging about with your mates and going on a really fast fire engine and putting out fires it was brilliant i loved it it was really <laughs> cool um so yeah so that was great and uh, i sort of finished off there as um uh, i was a station officer at um uh, manchester central fire station was where i was uh, when i when i finished up in the, in the fire brigade so it was really cool met some amazing people loads of great experiences and I think you know we we um, um, I, I had the chance to um, support and influence some amazing firefighters along the way, who really did make a difference. You know, so so that was fantastic. Mm. Um, I I uh, was involved in a in a workplace accident, an explosion, and um, and the explosion you know a little bit of physical damage, but. Um, but I started to um, to sort of get flashbacks and things, you know, and um, and it sort of affected my mental health. Um, so I, I couldn't really do the fire brigade anymore and, um, okay. and I needed to um, move on and do something different. So, you know, your classic sort of health and safety knee route, you know, we did all that. Um, and then um, I came down to, and I went to Portsmouth University and did some study down there in... Um, occupational health and safety and all that, that as well and, and that was really cool really good um, yeah and I've been running a training company and consultancy for around about 20 years ish something like that it all sort of blows into one of these, mm-hmm. these uh, times I think I think one of the most important things for me where um, I started to look at doing things differently was I read a report in 2008 and um, into the effectiveness of manual handling training at um, at changing behavior around manual handling. Right. Um, The the report was quite a significant one, you know, it's 100 and odd pages long, 180 pages long, something like that. And and it came up with the conclusion that training on its own doesn't change behavior.
2: Right. Uh,
0: um, uh, Almost 0% changing behavior. So it really got me thinking. I thought, ah, okay. Well, we had this assumption that if I know how something may harm me and I know how to avoid it, people will do it. But when we start to look at that, we see that actually that's not true. This consequences version of the way we approach um, of telling people these issues and and then assuming that they'll carry out a different behavior. It's just a fallacy. It's just not true. So you know, various sort of short courses and behavioural safety was becoming more sort of relevant, you know, going a couple of days here, there, and a couple of days there. And then, you know, over the time, I I decided that I needed to actually understand uh, things in a bit more depth. So um, I've done various year-long courses at the Open University, forensic psychology, clinical psychology, applied psychology, um, and also philosophy as well. Um, I'm just, in, in a last year... Um, cause what I did was, uh, imagine you're like walking down, a, you, you know, you think, all right, I'm going to go over there. And on the way you have a look over the hedge and you think, Oh, that looks interesting over there. So I've taken diversions along the way and done a year on forensic psychology and a year on this. Um, but, I, um, <clears throat> I've just got a year study and then I'll, I'll have a, um, a BA in philosophy and psychology, you know, obviously mm. if I pass it, I might not pass. <laughs> um, Now, what I've realised, sorry, I know this is a long introduction. What I've realised is, is that um, I've realised, first of all, how little I know. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
0: And, um, you know, and and I don't say that um, as some kind of uh, throwaway statement. No, genuinely, I realise, do you know what? There's loads and loads. I thought I knew that I don't. Um, And what I've also realised is, is that, psychology will get us so far, but psychology can't tell us whether something is good or bad.
2: Right.
0: Only philosophy can answer that question.
2: Okay,
1: right.
0: It can't do that for us. And without understanding philosophy, what we know about psychology and what we know about our technical knowledge about quarries where he used to work, uh, there's going to be gaps. Mm. There's going to be problems with that. Um, So... I, I, I've always been interested in philosophy anyway, but I, you know, studying it is, takes me to an, a, a different level of understanding because what I like about it is not only do you have to say what you think, you have to say why you think it and why somebody else might think something different, mm. which is really cool
2: yeah.
0: because what that means is it means any decision I make, if I can't say why I think that's a good decision, that, then, then maybe I ought not to make it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so it, it changes our mindset. And I'm not saying it's all, it's me. Um, I do this every minute of every day because I don't, because it takes time. Yeah. So um, I think the main thing that I want to, was to do with health and safety is, is I want us to start looking at what we believe to be true. Mm -hmm. I want Mm us to question our paradigms I want us to question our assumptions and um, one of the main assumptions that we've got is this notion of ethics and morality
1: Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that because I really you know I really want to I really want to sort of focus in you know all on that if we can today and you know really talk about you know about those those two topics you know in a bit of detail so so sorry please uh you know please keep going sorry
0: no, no, no. It's um, uh, yeah. I mean, thank you very much for you know for uh, sort of letting us have a chat today. Um, I, where, I I believe where we are is the first thing we have got to do is that is actually figure out, uh, uh, actually where are we with this? What do we mean by good? What does safe mean? Mm. What does harm mean? Because mm-hmm. we what we do is we change the meaning of these words to fit the way it feels to us at any one time.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and I think we need more uh, definite understandings of what we mean by harm and what we mean by safe, what we mean by good, what we mean by bad. And in order to do that, um, we, we need to, first of all, do a bit of work um, and we need to understand some key terms and relate those terms to our industry, not anybody else's. Mm-hmm. If you think about a health and safety person, they're in, I mean, who do they work for? Yeah. I mean, there's I mean, a
1: question to start off with. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's um, you know, I think that's a really you know the I suppose the 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 their ultimate the the, the people they're working for are the people who are facing the risk and facing the harm, you know, but potentially. You know that's 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 my you know I view you know they're they're there to to be people that are supporting the people that are on a daily basis having to make the Correct decisions, you know, whatever decisions it is, you know. So, so again, I'd be interesting to see your view on that, you know.
0: So, do we work for the 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 you know the the person operating the machinery? Is that who we work for?
1: I think I think part, I think a big part of our a big part of the job will be that, you know. I mean, obviously, the person working the machine doesn't doesn't give the doesn't give you your salary, you know. So, there's another way of looking at it. There's somebody there that. Uh, you know that is there to um, you know there to actually give you your money but um but really i suppose it's you know it's about it's about being part of this this team i suppose that's got this 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 aim this this view this vision of of, of trying to create an environment where where people could be successful i think that's uh, you know that's 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 how i that's how i like to look at it but but i wouldn't necessarily say that that is um, you know, that is, that is how the health and safety profession is looked at. You know, often the health and safety profession is, look, is purely looked at as somebody that's, that's there to tick a box and to, you know, and to, to do an audit or whatever it may be, you know. And so I think, you know, and, and, and sorry, I'll, I'll shut up in a minute. But, um, I'm, you know, going back to what you were talking about earlier, you know, a lot of the way that health and safety professionals are taught is very, very technical. You know, yeah, my, my background is quarrying, and so I know an awful lot about geotechnics and explosives and shot firing and stuff like that. But really, it's about understanding about people, and 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 you know, just listening to what you were saying there about you know about you know, about, about psychology and philosophy. A health and safety professional should study psychology and should study philosophy, you know, exactly. as as part of the as part of their of, of their development, you know. But but please, please keep. You know, what, who do you see as the who who do you see that they work for? then? where do you where do you?
0: Well, uh, I think. Um, I think we are in in a particularly unusual position because I think we work for both if I mean I yeah. it's overly simplistic to say workers and management yeah and, and that, that doesn't work anyway no. so no. but if we if we agree that that is a false premise to start off with yeah. um, which um, but but it gives us a kind of framework which we can look at is that um, I, I think that um, we are as health and safety professionals working to protect when we say harm, harm to the business. Mm-hmm. I.e. we all know about prosecutions and, you know, all that, or, you know, terrible fines and goodness, you know, like, in extreme cases, people get sent to jail. So, so yes, yeah, So we're there to protect those people or those, those roles, but also the workforce as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 in the same way as, um, sorry, in a different way to, say, health professions, because a health profession, um, when you look at medical ethics, medical ethics, its fundamental principles are do no harm and the autonomy of the patient. And, and whatever it is you do, whoever you work for, it's about the patient.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We well, don't have that same starting point. No. I do understand that they will have to protect the hospital from some form of, you know, medical um, negligence and all that. I do get that. But the fundamental aim is about doing no harm for the patient. Mm -hmm. We haven't got that starting point. Mm -hmm. We don't have the same starting point. And I think we need to define that. Otherwise, we're a bit in limbo.
1: I think, you know, I mean, you know, when, you know, when, when, we decided to, to to have a chat together and we were going to talk about ethics and morality and all that you know i i did a little bit of research um you yeah, know just to see what was out there you know and there's from a in the health and safety profession there's very very little you know iosh have got a code of practice you know but if you look at the health profession then there's an international standard you know so what, what do you think about what do you think about that you know where do you you know
0: but that's a classic what happened there that what you, uh, this is what you're talking about which i've written on Yep. Ten minutes, because I had to remind myself to do something in ten minutes. Yep, yep. Actually, this includes us. Right, okay. It actually does. It's a bit disingenuous, the International Code of Ethics for Occupational Health Professionals. You think, oh, no, that's mm-hmm. that's like your occupational hygienists. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, okay.
0: But, but it's not. It includes us as well. Right, okay. And there is some... Uh, the, w- the thing is, I, I should never, have never not recognised this. Mm-hmm. Neither of uh, double IRSM that I'm aware of, neither mm-hmm. of the HSE, neither of the safety council or ROSPA.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, we as a nation, our health and safety bodies, you know, these um, really important, they all, I'm not saying they do a terrible job, but they don't even acknowledge the existence of this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's lots of good stuff in here.
1: That's, that's that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Then, okay, have they have they ignored it for a reason? <laughs> is it because I because I I only came across it this morning? You know, what I mean, when I was uh, when I was, when I knew we were going to chat, you know, I've not I've never come across it before. But you know, is it you know what could we what could we learn or what should we be applying that uh, you know that's 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 in there? Do you think, Simon?
0: One of the first things is 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 we need to understand our relationship. In terms of ethics and morality with all the stakeholders right Okay. we need to define what the role not not just the individual what the that what um what is the role in relation to the organization's approach to ethics and morality mm-hmm. and one of the things that i think we need to do and this is something that that um i i i, I believe Iosh. Double I, uh, RSM, all all the big players and the HSC need to come together and create a framework for ethical and moral standards within the health and safety industry. Mm -hmm. One that's relative and everyone agrees. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a member of I, you know one organisation, and you're a member of IOSH or whatever you are, uh, well, you can have different ethical codes. Well, well, Mm -hmm. that doesn't work in law.
2: Yeah. That's right. We have the
0: law society's ethical standards. Mm-hmm. We have accountants who've got a standard that all, you know, all accountants know what that is. And it is a conversation that's happened uh, that people have regularly. Mm-hmm. Y- you look at, um, I mean, I, listen, I, this is not an attack on anybody. This is a statement of where we are. That's yep. all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at IOSH, for example, you go on their website uh, or or double IRSM as well. I'm a member of both of them. If you look at both of them, there are no opportunities to learn about ethics and morality. Mm-hmm. Go to the law societies, and these opportunities to do. these lots of moral dilemmas, mm-hmm. and these people who you can contact to, so they'll give you <clears throat> case studies of sample moral dilemmas, mm-hmm. and and it's a combination of. Um, videos and and conversations and workshops and all lots of tools mm-hmm. and there's a framework for you to address these moral dilemmas mm-hmm. so just I, I may have sort of digressed slightly there but imagine mm-hmm. you, you, this is what i believe would really help us right. you get a job with a company okay so you're going to work for abc limited as their health and safety manager director whatever it is yep when we start we need to talk about possible moral dilemmas and ethical dilemmas that are related to that role. Mm -hmm. And then what we need to agree is is a method of approaching those dilemmas. And if if you say, well, because we said before that the health and safety person works for the worker and for the management, is it reasonable to assume times when... Um, business, um, um, business aims can come in com- conflict with yep. health and safety aims.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, well, how do we approach that then? What mm-hmm. do we do about that? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have a framework. Mm. So I think the first thing that we need to do is if you were your managing director of your business or your directors, you need to have a conversation with them and say, right, moral dilemmas will happen. How do we approach them? Mm -hmm. what do we do? And we agree a way of approaching moral dilemmas. Mm. Then when something happens in the future, if any member of the group, and we've oversimplified it, worker, health and safety officer, director, oversimplification, but for the good of this conversation, they can go back to that method of that uh, framework and go, well, I feel this can we use the framework to discuss the possible ethical or moral issue?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think for me, this is, this is, you know, this is so, so true when you, you know, when you hear companies say, you know, health and safety is our number one priority, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden production gets in the way or a a customer gets in the way, you know, and uh, you know, you know, and that's when the decisions get made that maybe don't fit with, with that, with that statement because in actual fact that statement was really probably the wrong thing to say in the first place you know and so you know so it's really just really getting down to the to the real the i suppose the real root of what is the what are the what are the values you know of the of the business you know what is what is it that we want to do how do we how do we want to work you know and the ethics the ethics and the morality and i suppose it's 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 having a framework then you can you can start to make those decisions against i think that's what you're saying isn't it you know this is you know we will we will do these you know this is what we want to achieve and so when we've got that decision to make when that customer's on our back well how does that fit in with what we with what we said and 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 then it's about being strong enough to actually to actually push push back against the people that maybe you wouldn't have pushed back previously to you know the, the customer.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say pushback. I would help mm-hmm. us. I, I, I think what we're doing is we're supporting each other to carry out behaviours in line with ones that we've agreed when we weren't under, weren't in pressurised situations.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So again, I'd use different language. Sorry, yeah. I got, love it. Really, it's not semantics. Uh, no, I, no. I think it's important.
1: I think language is massively important. So really, really you're get right. what you're saying there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so do I. Um, Very much so. But to go, it's unethical without actually saying, well, what kind of unethical is it? Mm -hmm. Is it because we believe that rules should always be followed? That is a deontological approach to ethics. Mm -hmm. Um, Irrespective of the outcome, rules are king or queen or whatever you want to call them. Right. Well, that's one approach. Okay. And then you say, well, okay. Well, we're happy, we're happy to invest a little bit less in this, and there may be some harm, but the harm won't be that much. That's a utilitarian approach to ethics. Mm-hmm. So they're different. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we have a utilitarian approach, which is about the consequences of our actions rather than the actions themselves, the actions themselves don't contain um, any moral or ethical standard it's good or bad based on the outcome Mm -hmm. that's what it is Um, and another thing that we need to consider as well is so we we have this uh, this understanding of the dynamics this power struggle between senior management and the workforce but but it's more than that what about what about the relationship between one worker and another Mm -hmm. and in order to do work this way Will protect that worker but harm another so what what do we do there Mm -hmm. what do we do if we're asking a worker to follow a safe system of work which takes them longer which means they get home later and they've got a moral duty or moral responsibilities to their family Mm -hmm. so if I'm asking Bob or Julie to work in this way but it means they're going to get home later then what is the likelihood of them taking shortcuts Mm -hmm. because They've got this dilemma between te- getting the kids to brownies and following the safe system of work. So it's an area, to my knowledge, that our behavioural scientists, our psychologists, have just gone ethical. They go, that's it sorted, ethical, moral. I mean, they're all over LinkedIn, these posts. Yeah, well, you know, people's moral duties. Mm. Well, it's not as simple as that. It really isn't.
1: So I mean, so what is you know this could be a, this could be an impossible question to answer. This one, but you know, you know, what is the answer then? What, what, what how do, how does a company get that balance right where it's you know it, it is it is looking at, at putting in this, the the way of doing the particular job, but is also accommodating what important things that that individual has got going on maybe that's got nothing to do with work, you know, things that are outside of their their work environment. How, how does the business go about achieving that?
0: Um, I think we have a framework which may help us. Um, and I say may because I don't think that I uh, have thought about it in enough, enough depth and actually um, analysed um uh, analysed it sufficiently to say whether it's a useful tool. And I'm sorry if that sounds a bit vague. Mm-hmm. The hierarchy of control measures. Okay. I think without having thought sufficiently, you know, I'm not saying this is a, a cast I have thought about it for 10 years because I haven't because mm-hmm. to think about it, it's going to take me time.
2: Yeah.
0: And I don't think I can do it on my own anyway. I don't <laughs> think, I, I, I don't think, well, I know I can't understand all the perspectives that maybe out there Mm -hmm. so I am not the solution to ethics and morality in the health and safety industry I'd like to contribute to it but it it needs more than me it definitely does Mm -hmm. so anyway so just to take a step back right we have this tool which I believe is wonderful the more likely it is that somebody will be harmed to a really terrible degree you know uh, in our hierarchy the more time money and effort we spend on preventing the harm Okay, in, yeah. in basic conforms, yeah. Well, that is a pluralistic approach to ethics and managing risk. Mm-hmm. It's using more than one method. Right. The more dangerous, yeah, we might go with deontological, you must follow the rules. Okay. The less dangerous, we might say, well, okay, we're now going to think about the benefits. Mm-hmm. So it's a utilitarian approach. So what we do is we manage risk proportionally. Mm -hmm. So we manage our ethical standards in relation to the circumstances. Mm. And that's what I think we we need to do. Because if you go all one way or all the other way, you're going to come across problems.
1: Mm. And I think I think that's a really great point that you're raising there because, because, again, you know, typically my experience, you know, when I go out and I look at, at, at the way that people do risk assessment, okay, which generally, generally speaking, is is crap, okay. It's um, you know, it, there, there's so much there's so much focus on filling up the the boxes, the numbers in the boxes, and coming out with a green, you know, rather than actually really thinking about well, what is it that we're doing you know, what is the job that we're doing, you know, and, and it's and it becomes a, a number crunching exercise rather than a rather than a really sensible discussion about what job is it that we're doing? And, you know, and what are we going to do to make sure that people don't suffer serious injury or death? And I think we and I think as well, we spend too much time looking at things that we don't really need to be looking at, you know, a, a health and safety professional, you know, it, it is is so potentially so stretched in an organization because there's so many different things that they they could be looking at, looking at that that they ended up they end up looking at lots of things poorly rather than looking at the really important things really well. And I think for me, I think that's you know that's where you know our, our profession should change. You know, we should and we should start to you know start to say no. I think you know for me is you know say no to people and say no that isn't you know. I don't know if this is the right thing, you know, I might get a little bit of flax for this, but you know, that's that's not significant enough for me to look at. I'm a I'm a health and safety professional. I need to be looking at the things that are really significant. How do you feel about how do you feel about what I said there?
0: Um, I think that you raise some points which um, you know, initially I, I agree with. No. And I and, and I think that um I would need to look at them in a bit more depth. Sorry, that's not being evasive.
1: No, that's brilliant.
0: But I, I think and I, 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 what I have thought about is this is I believe we expect too much of our health and safety consultants and our health and safety professionals. Mm-hmm. I think we expect them to know far more than they than the majority of them are capable of knowing. Mm-hmm. and And I can only base that on myself. Yeah. I'm an average guy, and there's some stuff I just don't know. And I know I don't know it. And you know what? I, don't ask me about it because I can't tell you enough about that mm. because I'm just I just don't know it. I used to do consultancy work for health and safety, and I found that there was the field was so big, I just didn't know enough to mm. do it. Mm. And I just wasn't confident that well, you know, I go from manual handling to noise to vibration to scaffolding to cranes to deep dig excavations. And these are really, um, really in-depth um, um, tasks, and and I believe that I wasn't competent to do all those things, mm. so I stopped doing it. Mm. Um, and I, I think we ask too much of them, for starters. And I think we've also forgotten what they actually are. Mm. I believe a fundamental um, uh, purpose of a health and safety consultant, officer, whatever you want to call them, advisor. I see them as like a library. And what we do is we go to them and we say, we're doing this, but we're not really sure about health and safety. What do you think? And the the, the library has a look around and says, oh, we haven't got one of those books in. Hang on. I'll order one from Central Library. And then we go, right, we want to know about whatever. And then we'll get the information in. We'll train the person. We'll teach the person. Or they'll say, "Do you know what? We need to get someone in for that because I'm not confident that I can that I can give us the level of knowledge and understanding that we need to." You know, some people do some really dangerous stuff, don't yeah. they? Um, and I just don't feel I can do that.
1: I, th- so, I think that's a, again a really great point you've raised there. And uh, you know, only this morning, you know, um, I was out with a, I was out with a client who um, they're, they're looking they're building a, a big house. Okay, a, re- a really big house. And, um, and we just got chatting about uh, about the, the the phases, the projects and all of that. And, you know, and I suppose, you know, I, I've i got a duty to them to tell them what I do and don't know, you know, and, and I, you know, and I have the confidence because I've been, I've been doing the, the, this role for long enough to actually say, look, I don't know enough about that particular topic. Okay. You know, and, and, and I think that's a really, you know, when we talk about ethics and we talk about. You know, you know, one of the things that we need to be be as as, as uh, health and safety professionals is to be confident enough to actually say, "Look, I don't know. I don't know enough about fire safety." You know, if one of my clients rings me up and says, "I've got an issue with fire," I say, "Right, okay. I've got. I know somebody who can help you." You know, I yes. don't try and do it myself because I don't know enough about it. You know, yes. and it's uh, you know, and it's it's but it's but it's a confidence thing, isn't it? And sometimes you get. You get a lot of pressure put on you, you know, to 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 try and be that 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 person that knows everything. You know, the business expects it of you. You know, and it's.
0: Imagine if we had this framework that mm. we agreed when we take the job up. Mm-hmm. The the health and safety person can say, "Do you remember when we did that framework, and we said that we can that that if we feel that we're asked to do something and that we're not." competent or, or knowledgeable enough uh, we feel that it would be unethical for us to say that we were because it's in our framework yeah we've agreed this mm. and we've agreed what we're going to do when we come across that situation mm. now if you've got that ready for when we need it it makes the conversation easier doesn't
1: does isn't it just and, and also what it means is that the the actual people that are asking the question because they know that framework are probably maybe not even going to ask that question rather than saying you know do this they're going to say how how are we going to get around this situation? Because we know that it's it's going to you know it's to, ethically you know you, you maybe aren't, you aren't the, the person who can help here, or you know you're you know you and, and that the, the professional then just becomes maybe the the catalyst to actually get the solution rather than actually be the solution.
0: I agree. That's why I use it. Maybe a poor analogy. The, the, they are a resource. In, this is my understanding, and I might be wrong. This my, we we in the profession are a resource to facilitate all the tasks that we might be doing that can have health and safety implications. Mm-hmm. That's what we are. We're mm-hmm. a resource, and I think that the general structure that we understand of hierarchy of control measures and um, and 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 um, of our hierarchy of controls, and um, I, I think that is. Um, transferable to the majority there'll be something i there's obviously lots of stuff i don't know about health and safety but i think that structure that approach to managing risk is is something which a health and safety person can use whether it be covid whether it be whatever you know and and i think they've got those core skills which they have to have Mm -hmm. um So, so this is an interesting one. So we've got a different type of ethical approach now. We've now got one called virtue ethics. So the individuals within the health and safety role, there's a different type of ethics called virtue ethics. And basically what that means is there will be virtues, which we within the profession would seek to behave in line with those virtues. Humility Mm -hmm. would be one of them. Bravery or courage. Um, There are different virtues. It's not just a couple. So um, so, uh, we mentioned humility. Um, Curiosity. Magnificence. I love that word. I think we should be magnificent in our role. I think we should. Um, I mean, just to digress slightly... Whoever we employ to do the sales and marketing for health and safety, sack them. (laughs)
2: Because
0: A lot of conversations are, I'm really sorry, everybody, I've got to talk about health and safety. Why?
2: I know, I know. know.
0: It's just absurd. I'll tell you why. Because we've got people who have technical knowledge in health and safety, believing they know how to sell things. You don't! (laughs) You don't know how to sell things. Maybe some do. You don't. If I want to sell cornflakes... I'm going to get somebody who designs packaging to, to design the packaging. Yeah. I'm not going to do it.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So these are things that as an industry, we need to up our game. Mm-hmm. IOSH, IRSM and all of them should be all over the newspapers saying the health and safety world have got us back to work safely.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But we don't. Yeah. We don't, do we?
2: No, that's right. No, Who's got the
0: British industry back to work?
2: Mm-hmm, Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah.
0: It's lads and lasses out there sorting it out. Right, we're going to put these controls in and those controls, but it's completely gone under the radar. We're clapping people quite right too, quite mm-hmm. right too, nurses and cleaners, and I completely agree they should be, their their value should be and has been recognised but where where's our value for health and safety professionals? Mm. You can only open a restaurant if you've got appropriate control measures. Yep. Who came up with that? Yeah. Why don't we clap them? Mm.
2: That's right. That's right. We
0: start off from a position of apologizing. Yeah. Oh, we're really sorry. And, and I'm not saying everybody does that all the time. It's just a generic, you know, assumption, which may be wrong, right? yeah, of course it may be wrong. Um, I, I, we need to be more magnificent. We need to be, we need to say, listen, I'm not going to apologize for health and safety because what we are is we're heroes before the accident. Mm -hmm. uh, There's a brilliant book called Upstream. I don't know if you've read it. No. Oh, it's a great book. I can't remember the name of the book who wrote it, but it's just Ace. And it's about preventing accidents, should be heroes rather than the people who, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying they shouldn't have heroes for you know people who dash in and save people. Of course, their heroes are amazing, but what we don't do is we don't think of wisdom, planning, risk management as a heroic uh, profession. Why? Why don't we do that?
1: That's right. It's because it's quite funny. I mean, you know, I mean. Um... You know, I've had some speakers on on this on this podcast who have had accidents. You know, and all of a sudden they're the you know they're seen as the the, the people to, to go to to listen to. You know what I mean? And they got and some of them have got amazing stories. You know, and I'm not I'm not knocking that, but but that you know they, they weren't they didn't they weren't able to control the the event before before it played, played out for whatever reason. And it could be loads and loads of reasons. And again, I want to be careful what I'm saying there because they are amazing people, but but they almost get more that you know there's more emphasis placed on that you know i was i was on this week you know i was i was on a on a webinar and and the company you know an international company and the, and and the case studies they were using were people that had, had accidents and and i just asked at the end and i just said why 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 are you focusing so much on failure because you know there's two or three events that have happened there yet you've got hundreds and hundreds of events that have gone on that have been really, really well managed, really, really well controlled, you know, really well planned. Why aren't you using those as your case studies to tell people about why it's important? And, you know, and and they weren't able to answer because I suppose he hasn't got the shock. He hasn't got the shock and he hasn't got the, uh, you know. you know. Well,
0: again, that's another misconception. Yeah. If shocking images affected behaviour, nobody had smoked cigarettes, would they? Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Yep. Yep.
0: It may affect some people yep. for a period of time. Yep. So I'm not saying we shouldn't use that approach,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it is unlikely to affect a large numbers of people for a long period of time. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It is, um, yeah, and, you know, I'm sure you've had your behavioural scientists on who would probably would have said the same thing or may even disagree, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but... To assume that the consequences of behaviour will affect behaviour, if we if we use that as our starting point, that doesn't necessarily get us to where we want to be. That's right. It doesn't yeah. because that assumes an element of rationality mm-hmm. in um, as a motivator for all behaviours. Mm-hmm. Well, that's absurd. Mm. You know, um, one of my um, heroes, if you can think of a hero, is Kahneman. Thinking fast and slow, he says that, and it's something like ninety-five percent of our behaviors of our um, are done without thinking. Mm-hmm. So if we don't think, there's no rationality.
2: Yeah.
0: So therefore, we've got a large number of behaviors where we just don't think. Mm-hmm. So it's based on a fallacy.
1: I've got on, on my desk, right? I um I, I I do a bit of running, and I've got some i iPod. Um, things that go in your ears okay
0: yeah
1: and um and and as i was and i've got a little battery a little charger cable in and as i was going to move something i I knocked these off of the table and i just instinctively just went and grabbed them okay (laughs) you know now that that could have been something that's red hot (laughs) you know you know there's all sorts of things it could have been you know it just happened to be that you know and I, I didn't i just it was just an it was just a natural reaction to just try and do something about it you know and uh you know and, and so so you you can't you know you, you you can't build controls against that can you you know because people, people just do things don't they you know people
0: just do things you know yeah and, people, and there will be and 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 the, the, it's a phrase i know you went to uni up north you know the, the, there's now as queer as folk
1: that's right that's right
0: you, you one person can do the same thing for ten years, every single day, and then come to it one day and do something different.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah, they can. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, one of the things I just uh, so so we've briefly introduced three broad concepts of ethics and morality. Mm-hmm. So, utilitarian, so that we get the greatest good for the greatest number of people. Okay, yeah. and that is what underpins the concepts of, in my opinion. Where reasonably practicable. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's a logical contradiction. Hundred percent safe. Where reasonably practicable.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. 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 It it doesn't make sense. Doesn't it? Doesn't. Stop Stop it. (laughs) It Doesn't (laughs) make sense. Yeah. And if we were thinking philosophically, we'd spot that straight away.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that don't make sense, does it? Yeah. So we won't do it. But we don't. No. Because it's rhetoric, yes. you know. Um, well, maybe we'll talk about rhetoric one day. Mm. Uh, um, Schopenhauer um, talked about rhetoric, he wrote a brilliant book and studied so Aristotle. And we can learn about, um, about the health and safety world is full of rhetoric, it's full of ways of explaining things that are illogical mm-hmm. and irrational. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop that mm-hmm. if we're actually going to get any further. Yeah, we need to look at moral contract and contractarianism so i'll give you an example of how this works so have i got a moral duty if i work for you have i got a moral duty to follow your safe systems at work what do you think um i work for you i'm an engineer
1: Let, let me let me say yes. Okay, I'm going to say yes. Okay, I don't. Know, I, I wouldn't mind thinking about it a little bit longer, but just for this, I'm going to say yes. You should. Okay, but if, if they're a lot of rubbish, you know.
0: well, I mean, okay. So let, let's look at it in a slightly different way first. Right. Say my job was an engineer and I fix stuff. You know, yep. whatever engineers do. I know they do all that engineering spanner stuff, don't they? And electric yep. stuff. I'm not an engineer, as you can probably tell. <laughs> um, yeah. So they do all that fixing stuff. Okay. And you say. Simon, do us a favor. Go over there, will you, and fix uh, fix that machine for us? Mm-hmm. Okay. I turn up on site and I go, Well, I don't really want to fix that machine. I'll tell you what, I'd rather fix that one over there.
1: Yep. Okay. You'd be you. happy with that, would you? No, no, no.
0: you say, That's... Simon, what are you doing? No. I don't want you to fix that one. I want you to fix that one. Yep. Yeah. I didn't fancy fixing, fixing the first one. I, I'm getting all confused here. Yep. I didn't fancy fixing machine A. I thought, Oh, I fancy doing machine B.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, work, you know, this notion of work just wouldn't exist then, would it? No. Nope, nope. nope. Right, okay. So the next question then is, is you allocate the work to me, right? Can you go and sort this out? And I know that's, again, a very simplistic approach. I might find a problem and tell you. I understand it's all that. But i uh, we as a business want to fulfil certain functions for our customers and we ask our employees to help us do that yeah yep okay so workers get that you know so if I talk to a a tarmacer, or I talk to a roofer and we say right okay if the boss says to you can you go and fix that pothole over there do you have a right to choose whether you do that pothole or a different one and they all go no of course not oh okay Now, I understand the pothole you've sent me to do may be in the road and we might not be able to do it for safety. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is the company allocate tasks, the worker goes out and completes the tasks. Yeah? Yep. Right. Okay. Now, when I talk to people who – this is how applied philosophy works and applied ethics – So I was uh, the last week or so, I've been talking about people who use rope access equipment. And for years, people have said, oh, you better follow the system because if you don't, mate, and you fall, you're going to hurt yourself. And everyone in the the thing goes, oh, right, yeah, fair enough. And then they go out and they may or may not use it. Mm. They make a choice not to work in a certain way. And my question is, why do you think you have a right to make that choice? Mm -hmm. Morally... Where's your justification to choose not to follow what I've asked you to do? Mm-hmm. When you ask them that question, their eyes change. They go, oh, because there is no moral justification.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There is none. Either do it or tell us why you can't. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where Decker's just culture is. I, I, I'm a fan Decker's great. We, we could talk about Decker, you know. Yeah. I think he's really cool, all right? Yeah. But I don't think he quite gets it. Yep.
1: Yeah. No, okay. No, I okay, get yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so what I think is this, is we should, as a part of our contract of employment, talk about moral obligations in relation to that contract. Mm-hmm. And I think the moral obligation should start off with this. Do what we've asked you to do or tell us why you can't. Mm-hmm. There's no middle ground. Yeah. And that needs to be an explicit discussion.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not a, oh, yeah, sign the contract. Not the, we'll give you some training. I mean, if we're going to give you some training, I need you to say I, I will explicitly agree to follow the training or tell you why I can't. hmm uh, th- uh, that's part of the training, but we don't do that. We just have this implicit or tacit understanding that people will morally uh, agree with what we've said they should do. But but it, that's not that's not what happens in the real world. Mm-hmm. So so just to go back again, then building on the notion of a just culture is that the worker. Overly simplistic view of the dynamics in a workplace. We understand that the worker, in my opinion, we should have a moral contract that I will do what you ask me to do, or tell you why I can't. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Sign there, and that is an explicit contract. Now we understand contracts.
1: Could it could it be could it be phrased slightly different? Could it, could rather than saying do what I've, I've asked you to do or instructed you to do. Could it be do what we've agreed we will do, and then do you know, and then and then because because then I see you know what it what it is it's then about having that you know because I'm a strong believer that that it's about you know I, I see a lot of a lot of industries have safety stand downs they have uh, they give the employee the, the the authority to stop the work if it isn't quite right. But I'm actually thinking. But you know, really, what it should be is—is is it should be that we are. This is this is we are, we make that decision before we start the work. You know, so we actually agree to start the work rather than giving people the, the authority to stop it. How do you how do you feel about that? Do you think?
0: I think I completely agree with you. That is an assumed position prior to the system yeah. of work being agreed. Yeah. Uh, you work if you work for me. You have to be part of the solution. Yep. Yep. We, you're not the problem, you're part of the solution. Yep. Mm-hmm. You have to contribute to designing and testing and, and, and evaluating the effectiveness of the systems of work. That is part of what your job is.
1: So so, what, so, so I'm, I'm getting what you're saying now, so, so that, happens, that happens beforehand almost, you know and then actually when the work is going ahead, whatever it may be, and that could be, that could be a moments later, or it could be a week later. You know, it could be yeah. seconds later, it could be a week later. That's when people say, right, and now we're going to agree that we are going to do it that way. I really yes. like that. I really like that.
0: But it has to be underpinned with other things as well. So here's an example. Right. Why do we believe we can tell people what they need to that we can that we can tell them what they need to know to do their jobs? Well, we do that with training all day long.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What we do is we say, right, we're going to train you in manual handling. Mm-hmm. We don't say, what do you need to know to yeah. help you mm-hmm. lift, lift and carry things safely? What, mm-hmm. Why don't we do that? Because, again, we've got this parent-child relationship.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And we have this in terms of morality. We tell people off, and they stand there metaphorically with their head down going, I'm really, sorry. No, you're an adult. Yeah. You're a proper grown-up big. You're a big boy and girl. You're part of the solution. Mm -hmm. So part of this just culture about being involved in the solution, not just complying with what we told you,
2: Mm.
0: this has to be ingrained in everything that we do. Mm. So I believe we shouldn't be telling people what they need to know. We should be asking them what they need to know and listen to what's said and there's a certain technical knowledge and stuff that they may not know. And then they're combined together to come up with something that is relevant mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: both to the workforce and the um, uh, 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 and the management of the job. And, you know, we've, all, we've got to make a living. Everyone's got to make a bit of cash or else we don't exist, do we? Right.
2: You
0: know, so there's got to be an element of that. A que- I've got a question for you. Go cool. Is it ethical... Or moral, you can choose whichever one will maybe say what they mean in a moment. Is it ethical or moral Moral to choose training where you haven't evaluated the effectiveness of the training?
1: Okay, no, really great question. Um, n- no, it's not. You should. Yeah, but we do it every day. We do it every day. That's right.
2: Every single day. Yeah.
0: People, we have no training company. Yeah, uh, we need some training. All right, brilliant. Um, what's the first question? How much? Mm-hmm. Oh, do you don't want to know how effective no 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 I want to know how much okay.
2: mm-hmm.
0: why do we get the office junior to buy the thing that's a control measure mm-hmm. why would you do that mm-hmm. we don't do that with guarding mm-hmm. we get the engineer to say oh yeah that guard will work and that's one's right and we'll install it there and we'll do this we bring in the fire alarm company to tell us the best alarm and detecting detection system we bring them in but when it comes to training we say, do us a favour, whoever. Have a ring round, find us the cheapest for manual handling, will you?
2: Yep,
1: yep. Just going back to your point, then. I mean, because because you know, I could just imagine walking into a, walking into a canteen, you know, with some guys and just saying, right, manual handling, what do you need to know? And they'll and they'll they'll just look at us, you know, and not say not say anything because because they're not used to that question. They're not used to being asked that 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 question because all they're ever done is spoken at okay where do you how do you start there how do you start about about building that environment then where people actually become much much more open about what it is that they do need
0: first thing you've got to do is to make it is to draw a line in the sand and say from this day forward you must be part of the solution
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so um so there is no confusion no none whatsoever Mm-hmm. we realise we may have done it differently in the past, but from this day forward, we're going to do it differently.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: you will be part of the solution or else, sorry, that's not what you have to be. It's a, it's a prerequisite of the job. You have to tell us if what we're doing doesn't isn't work and you have to tell us what's the best way to do it. That's mm-hmm. one of the things. The next thing that we do is, is we define that approach amongst the group. And we use a social contract to do that. So what we call it, call it is uh, permission granted. And the idea is everybody within the group must give permission to allow any other member of the group to support them if they're about to carry out an unsafe behavior. Mm-hmm. As a part of that, we also define how is, what is an acceptable reaction if somebody says, so if I say to you, oh, don't do that call. As a part of this social contract, we've agreed that when when I say to you, don't do that, Colin, you go fair enough, site. Hold on. I'm just going to take a step back. Yeah, mate. No, I'm all right with that because of this. But thanks anyway. You're not allowed. You are the, a part of the agreement is, is that you must agree to not go Simon, shut your face. got nothing to do with you. Keep your nose out. Mm -hmm. You must agree to that. And this social contract is a really important starting point where we must agree to be part of the solution. We must agree the way that we're going to interact with each other. We must agree how we'll intercede and support each other. We must agree all these things beforehand. And, And that... Is if there's one thing that I think we should do to improve health and safety, that's it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because I think we overtrain people.
2: Right, Okay. yeah. Mhm.
0: Like, right, come on, lads, in you go, what? Well, oh, bloody hell, it's best for us again. Yeah, you got to do it every year.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: They know most of this stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They know most of it. So when you do manual handling training with people who've done ten manual handling courses. They go. I know this, mm. and do you know what? I think
1: most of the time they do. So I was re- make- sorry. Go on. On. I was going to say no. I was. I was chatting to someone the other day, and we were just talking about inductions. You know, now you go onto site and you have a thirty-minute induction or whatever, and, and almost what a total waste of time it is. You know how it's. Uh, you know it's. Uh, you know there might be there might be something that, that's important in there, but generally speaking, the person that's delivering the induction doesn't want to deliver it. The person that's receiving the induction doesn't want to doesn't want to receive it and wouldn't you just be better off just spending that 30 minutes just talking about the job you're about to do you know and and, and not waste all this time you know talking about stuff that you know that, that people don't want to know about but then on the flip side there might be something really important on that side that people do need to know about and so it's about getting that it's about getting that that balance i suppose and it's about but again this is this is about you know getting rid of these these generic you know documents and processes that you have and and having something that's really really relevant to what it is that you're about to be doing
0: imagine if you did this right so you've got your quarry all right yeah and there's there's somebody who's going to come a team going to come and do something whatever it is i don't know what you would bring yeah. a contractor in but they're going to come and do something and you're going to induct them yeah or your building site yeah? yeah yeah Yeah. okay right lads plasterers electricians whatever okay right you're going to be working over here Let's go, and, let's go and see the team that are working in that area. Yeah. And we go over, say, yeah, hi, Colin. This is, this is Bob. There's Julie. Yeah, you right, Col. Great to see you, mate. Yeah, glad you're working with us today. Fantastic. Um, and then what we do is we get the people who are working there <laughs> to induct them into the social contract.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But what we've said here is, is that whatever it is that we're doing, we're going to support each other. Yeah. What we're going to do is we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to do the other. And we've got it on the wall there. And actually the team here needs you to agree to behave in that way. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, we don't want to work with you because we're not sure that, you, that you've you got the same um, standards or the same morals or the same values as what we've got.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if that's the starting point that we will all step in and help each other. The rest of it is just stuff. Yep. I'm not saying it's not important because some of the stuff is important. Yep. Yep. We should do the induction. The manager? No,
2: mm.
0: no, I'm not. I don't. Do you know what? The manager is just someone there to pay me and get on my nerves. Yeah. I, I'm being slightly, yeah, 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 facile in that. In that, of course, I am. But imagine if one of your co-workers says, "Hey, Cole, yeah, over here, we have to be careful because." There's a drop there, there's a this there, and there's... When the alarm goes off, we all go over there, mate. Yeah, and it's really important that we stick together and and watch out for each other when we do that. Mm. Imagine if the induction is done by your co-workers, not by a manager. Mm. And as a part of that is, on the wall, is our contract that we've agreed. That when you work here, you have to give permission for anybody here to help us... To help you behave safely, mm. would that? Do you think that'd work? I mean, you're you're an experienced safety guy. I mean, what do you think?
1: I I, th- I think that sounds a lovely idea. I just I just you know I'm just thinking about some of the industries that I work in and some of the places I go into and 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 you just you know you see the workplace and you see the hazard and you see the risk in the workplace and then you yeah. see the 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 banter and the and the the integration that happens within the canteen. And you just think, you know, that's where in that canteen, that is where that's where that's where the business comes to life. You know, that is those people that are going into that workplace and they're turning this thing, this thing into, into the doing, into the into the action. So so why waste that amazing resource that you've got there to actually to actually get the the way that we want to do things and this all this this starts to relate to culture now doesn't it you know what i mean you know but this is how we this is how we do things around here you know this is what we're about you know if, if if the guys were giving that message when a contractor turns up that contractor would just feel part of something really really important potentially it probably it may not happen every time okay but and it and the very very first time that they go in it might feel really strange but the third and the fourth time that they go in they start to get it you know, and you know, and 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 you could just you could just feel something really really powerful building there.
0: So um, I, I do this. This is part of what we do. We yep. put this into things like manual handling as best awareness. You know, the, the the nuts and bolts stuff. Mm-hmm. That's another question as well. Why do we think behavioral safety is a separate course from everything else? Mm. It isn't. No. It's a part of everything. Yeah. But well, we don't do that. No. Um, I think Bob Cummins calls it sheep dip or something like that, and which is a really quite a cool phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, I, instead of thinking it's something we've done, we've done the course that's it sorted, behavioural safety and ethics and morality and the social contract and how we're going to work together is part of everything we do.
1: Simon, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was so interesting. You know, we're talking about psychology and philosophy and ethics and morality and and just exploring the the you know the the different ways that we could as a as a as a profession go about trying to interact with the people within the workplace. Um, I love the idea of having a like a charter or a code that you sign up to. Um, to be fair, it's something that we did within when I worked for Hanson a few years um, back. You know, we got uh, you know, we got people to 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 pledge um the senior management pledged to to do things in a right way and and in response we wanted the uh we wanted the employees to 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 pledge to 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 support the process that we were trying to that we were trying to do within the uh with the business from a health and safety perspective so i really get it we had we had some real success with that um but it um you know it's it it needs to be followed through by action and I think that's the uh that's the thing that uh that sometimes slips up and and then all of a sudden you know different pressures come into the organization and and people start making making wrong decisions uh, I was interesting when you talk about um about uh Sydney Decker you know and there are the I know, mean, I, I agree I think there's some great stuff that uh, that the new view uh you know talk about and I also think there's some areas that um that I don't I don't follow as staunchly as, uh, as, as some of the new view people but I, but I definitely feel that uh, you know that there's there's lots and lots of different ways that we can work as, uh, as, as professionals to, to get things right and and I really feel that uh, the softer skills are the things you know, I, you know we don't we shouldn't be worrying as much about technical ability. We really need to be talking about how we interact with people and how we you know can positively enable people to be successful in their workplace um you know thank you so much for coming on um i hope the listeners i hope you really enjoyed that and you know please um you know please comment please subscribe please uh you know please do the things that you have to do to um you know to to help us get um you know get get better and better understanding of what it is that you want to uh, you, you know you want to you want to hear anyway thank you ever so much and um i'll speak to you again really soon bye-bye now